This is the Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. I do want to apologize that I have done a poor job of getting all of these sermons online on the podcast format. Uh, I will do a better job in the future. If you want to check out our YouTube videos, you're welcome to do that. They're all on there, but those will be converted to podcasts as well. So thank you, and I hope God blesses you through this message. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Judges 15. We're going to continue our look at Samson and seeing what is going on in his life. So, Judges 15, I read in Jesus' name. After some days, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. And her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her. So I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took torches. And he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain as well as the olive orchards. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. And he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow. And he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock of Etam. Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah and made made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? They said, We have come up to bind Samson, to do to him as he did to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, And as they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said to him, We have come down to bind you, that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. And they said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. And when they came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet them to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck one thousand men. And Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey I have struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and that place was called Ramoth Lehi. And he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out from it. When he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore the name of it is called En Hakore. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines. 20 years. Let us pray. Father, 
As we come now to study your word, to walk in your ways, Lord, I pray that you would guide us, that you would bless us. Lord, teach us through Samson, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to be very honest, as I read through this story, this is one of the, it, it really makes me pity Samson. Because Samson's made some bad decisions. And those bad decisions that he's made haven't turned out as well for him as you would hope. Now, Samson was a Nazarite. He was a Nazarite unto God. His calling in this world was to be separated. He was supposed to be special to the Lord. Uh, and in all that he did, it should have been directed to the Lord. But as Samson didn't walk in the Lord's ways, as Samson didn't seek the will of the Lord, but rather sought really to a good degree his own will and his own way about, uh, to go about things, Samson's life doesn't work out in the way that Samson had hoped. And so, as we talked about last week, Samson got angry, got into a big huff, went home. It was actually interesting talking with people about that this week because I learned more from what they got out of this story. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I want people to be putting things into the comment section because you never know what God's going to bring out for you and how you can take that, that honey that God has provided and, and spread it abroad. Um, you know, comment section is one way to do that. I encourage you to do that in your own private lives too. But as, as Samson went home in a big huff, uh, went back to what he knew, went back to what was easy, went back to what was comfortable. As Samson went back to that, he left his wife. You know, and they were married. And so Samson's father, father-in-law, gave his wife away. And, you know, I can't blame him. Samson's gone. It was probably in the spring when Samson got married to this lady. And now he's coming back and uh, harvest time. You know, he'd been away for a whole growing season. That's a long time. This isn't just some couple days. This probably was an extended period. And so, you know, that sets up the, the situation here because as Samson comes back, he, he wants to consummate his marriage, it seems like. And he brings a young goat. You know, he brings an offering, a peace offering to his wife. Um, I don't know if that works or not. I've never brought a young goat to my wife. Um, I don't know how she would approach that. I don't think she'd particularly appreciate it. But as Samson brings this young goat to his wife, you know, his father-in-law says, you can't go in there. I've given her away. But, you know, she is a younger daughter. And so, so Samson's father-in-law is really trying to placate Samson. And we learn something about Samson here. You know, why did Samson go after this older sister to begin with? Why? Why? What were the reasons? What was the reason that the author of the book of Judges gave us. It was because she was right in his eyes. And so Samson's going after this lady because she's pretty. You know, there doesn't seem to be any other reason. You know, she's a Philistine. She worships another God. She comes from a different culture, but she's beautiful. You know, and so she's right in Samson's eyes. She's beautiful. And so what Samson's father-in-law is offering to him is actually something of greater value. Should have been in greater value in Samson's eyes. You know, an even more beautiful woman. And so that's, that's what the father-in-law is doing. But Samson won't have it. 
And so as we learn about Samson, we learn that Samson is very stubborn. He's very willful. He's very pig-headed. He wants what he wants in the way that he wants it. There isn't any other options for Samson. It's got to be Samson's way or no way. It's got to be Samson's way or he's going to take revenge. And, and the fact that he calls it revenge also reveals something. Samson is taking this as a personal affront. He messed up. Samson messed up. And now he refuses to be placated. He refuses to give in. He refuses to forgive. He refuses to allow something to happen in a way other than the way that he had planned. And now that's sad because that reveals the hardness of heart, the stubbornness that really exists within Samson. This is, this is an arrogant pride that exists within Samson. And that is, that is not something that ought to be existing within us. Samson isn't walking in humility here. When Samson doesn't walk in humility before the Lord, it also becomes impossible for Samson to walk in humility before other people. And so Samson, walking in pride, takes this as a personal affront, takes this as a personal insult, something that was really his fault. He says, I have been wronged. Like, no, you haven't. But that's how he approaches this. Samson isn't walking in godliness. But God is continuing to set up these circumstances to force Samson against the Philistines. Because Samson's father-in-law offers him something of greater value. Samson's father-in-law does that which is to some degree proper. This woman, this wife of Samson's, has been given to a companion. And we can't take Samson's father-in-law's words as being a lie. I really thought you hated her. You know, what does he say? The father-in-law said, verse 2, and his father-in-law said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. You know, and I feel for Samson's father-in-law. He just married off his daughter and the husband left. The husband left for a full growing season. Because weddings were usually in the springtime. So that's why we assume it was a full growing season. You know, at the planting season. That's when weddings usually were. It was a time of celebration. But now at, at this point... I understand his father-in-law. Samson's hardness of heart, Samson's arrogance, Samson's pride, Samson's selfishness, the fact that he can't think about anybody but himself, that he can't take in anybody else's feelings or thoughts other than his own. So Samson says, I'm going to get revenge, and this time I'm going to be innocent. Samson can't take responsibility for himself or his own actions. Everything he does is in retaliation. And as Samson acts in that manner, he actually, I, I feel bad for him here because now as he's attacking the Philistines, he is attacking the Philistines in such a way and at such a moment and in such arrogant pride and anger that he is alone. It is Samson against all of the Philistines. It is Samson against the whole country. It is Samson alone. He is alone and he takes up this battle alone. And that's because of his own selfish pride. And we have to be careful that we don't do as Samson does. 
we have to be careful that we don't just, you know, become offended by something. And so now it's time for us to take up the sword. Now it's time for us to take up the battle. You know, because this isn't supposed to be according to our whims or our impulses or even according to the situations that are directly around us. Samson doesn't plan this out, although it takes time. You know, he catches 300 foxes. Actually, that, that word in the Hebrew can be translated either fox or jackal. Now, foxes are, are loners. And so if Samson caught 300 foxes, like that's really impressive. 300 jackals, still pretty impressive. He ties them tail to tail. And the theory behind that is if you had an animal that had a torch on its tail, it would run to the nearest water source. And so you tie two of them together and then put a torch in their tail. They're going to be fighting each other. They're going to be zigging. They're going to be zagging because now you've got two minds that are terrified. And not only are they terrified of the torch, but then they're terrified of the other animal, the other fox or jackal that's opposite of them. And so, but nevertheless, to find 300 of these animals, tie them together, and then put a torch there. This takes time. You know, this isn't something that Samson did in an hour. This would have, I don't know, if, if this was me, the best trappers that I know, this would still take days, maybe even weeks. You know, this is time that Samson is dedicating himself to this revenge, and he does it alone. And he does it alone in hot anger, which tells you something else, because Samson's anger is just this continual thing. And now, as Samson does this, and he burns up the wheat fields, and he burns up the olive groves, which would have been a, had a huge impact, because you know people during this day and age, it's not like they had big granaries that they could store their grain in. It's not like they had years of supply. What's happening? They're going to starve. They're going to be hungry. They're going to struggle. You know, in olive groves, those take decades. Decades. That didn't burn the roots probably. And so they would have had sprouts coming up. But it would still take decades to come to a real good, full harvest again. So Samson's attack on the Philistines was devastating. And so the Philistines retaliate again. They were retaliating against Samson. Because Samson was wronged by one man. And so he attacks the whole country. And so now the whole country attacks the one man. Burns the Timnite and his family. Kills them. Which is what, you know, Samson's wife was trying to avoid. But because of her ill decision, she brings it upon herself too. Which is crazy to kind of really think through that. Those circumstances. But what happens when we retaliate? What happens when we attack in hot anger? What happens when we do that? There ends up being results that we can't predict. And things just continue to grow and things continue to escalate. Because my anger is going to produce anger in the other person. My retaliation is going to entice them to retaliate. And so now we've burned up the, the wheat fields and the olive groves. Now people are starting to die. Because it doesn't just stop at some point and someone, you know, learns their lesson. No, that's not the way it works. Because pride, when pride attacks pride, it just continues to grow and build and build and build until you're at some nuclear armistice. Some mutually assured destruction. That's what happens when pride builds upon pride and when pride attacks pride. 
people aren't humbled because of that until they're utterly defeated. And then they're not really humbled, they're just humiliated. And so when Samson attacks the Philistines, the Philistines attack the Timnites. And now Samson's mad because all of these people have now attacked his father-in-law because some, for some reason now he's feeling loyalty towards his father-in-law. This is just crazy stuff. And Samson said to them, to them, if this is what you do. And so Samson now is confronting, it seems, the group that has attacked and killed his father-in-law and his wife. <laughs> um, if this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. So again, I'm doing this out of retaliation towards you. He, isn't got, he doesn't have some greater cause. Samson's cause is personal. Samson's cause is selfish. Samson's not doing this for the sake of the Judeans. He's not doing this for the sake of the Israelites. He's not doing this with their blessing. He's just doing this because his own pride has been affronted. His own pride has been hurt and damaged, been bruised. And so now he's attacking. Now he's bringing revenge. Now he's avenging himself. And you wonder why Samson's doing this alone. It's because nobody else is going to back this. It's like, Samson, man, I'm not going to fight with you because this is all about your arrogance. And so it makes sense then that he is all alone doing all of this work all by himself because it's just Vengeance upon vengeance upon vengeance. Nobody else is going to get behind that. People aren't excited about that. They don't see the greater vision. They don't see the greater calling. They don't see the greater work. And so Samson does all of this alone. Because he's doing it for himself. He's not doing this for the glory of God. He's not doing this to bless the Israelites. He's not even doing this really to punish the Philistines. For 40 years of rule, he's punishing the Philistines because they're personal affront to him. And so now with what's going on in America today, I want you to think about this. I've heard people say, you know, it's time for us to really start fighting back. You know, and I hear that from various avenues. But if we're going to start fighting back, whatever that means, whatever that means, we're going to start fighting back. We need to have a cause in view so that we're not just doing this alone. Because when the battle comes to us, what happens to Samson? When the battle comes to us, what will happen to us? If we're just doing this alone without vision other than our own personal will and whim. Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? They said, we have come up to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. And so this escalation starts. And now we see Samson abandoned by his own people. Because now Samson, he's, he's kicked up this hornet's nest. You know, he's taken the stick and he's whacked the thing straight up, full on. And he's made the people of Philistine angry because he struck them hip and thigh, which theoretically, is a wrestling metaphor. So Samson attacks the people that attacked his father-in-law and his wife's family. Samson attacks those people and he strikes them hip and thigh, which means he utterly defeats them. That's the theory. Uh, we don't use this phrase. It's not a common phrase. Even during this, you know, like we can't find any extra biblical literature and that's the only place in scripture that it's used. So the idea is 
probably a wrestling metaphor. Probably a wrestling metaphor, meaning that he broke. He broke this group of people. Like as they attacked him, he broke them. He struck them hip and thigh. And so now they're mad. Now the whole country's mad because this one guy has been doing all of this stuff. He's been wreaking havoc in our country. Now it's time for us to go against him. So we're going to escalate. We're going to make a military attack. You know, we're going to bring a military group against Samson. And so they encamped. They came up and encamped. That's a military word. In Lehi. In Judah and made a raid on Lehi. And so now they're attacking Lehi, which is a city. They made a raid on Lehi. Or city or surrounding region. Depends on how your definition and terminology and whatnot. Whatever. But they encamped and then they spread out and they made this attack. This raid. And the people of Judah are like, what are you doing? We haven't done anything wrong. You're our leaders. You're our rulers. Why are you attacking us? And they say it's because of Samson. So the men of Judah have become comfortable in this. They understand their place. So now we start to see what God's doing to a greater degree. Why have you come up against us? They said, the Philistines, we have come up to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. <laughs> we're going to kill this guy. That's what they're saying. And 3,000, and we're going to do it and, you know, defense of ourselves. We're going to just retaliation. Again, retaliation upon retaliation. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam. That's where Samson is. And said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to them? So what are the Judeans saying here? They're abandoning Samson, who is the judge. And probably the men of Judah know that Samson's the judge because, you know, Samson's mom and dad, they were told this and they made Samson Nazarite from birth, you know, and the word would have gotten around that this Samson guy who's doing all this crazy stuff is the judge. You know, he's the one that's going to save Israel from the Philistines. But the Judeans, instead of backing Samson and saying, hey, this must be God. They don't want to give up their comfortable existence. They don't want to give up their comfortable living. They don't want to step out. They don't want to step up. They don't want to maybe risk their lives and their livelihood for Samson's sake. Now we see failure at two parts. One, we see failure of Samson to really cast vision because when Samson responds to them, he says, I've just, as they did to me, so I've done to them. He's saying, hey, I'm just doing this because I'm getting revenge and that's it. So the only reason that I'm doing this is out of revenge. And so Samson fails to cast vision and stir the people of Judah up out of their comfortable lives of servitude. And the people of Judah fail to back Samson to throw off the yoke that's upon them. And so we have blame on both sides. It's not that Samson's messed up so bad. It's not that the Judeans have messed up so bad. It's that they both have messed up so bad. And so God is, God is working in the situation, not just to change Samson and finally get him to step up and do the work that he has been called to do, 
But also God is working in the Judeans as Samson kicks this hornet's nest. They're just trying to get rid of the kicker. Instead of picking up the responsibility that they have to be the people of God, bringing the attack to the Philistines. They should have all backed Samson and said, you're not taking one of our own. But they didn't do that. Life was too good. It was too easy. It was too comfortable to just be servants instead of to actually be leaders of themselves. Because then you have to be responsible for yourself. Then you can really fail. But then you can also really succeed. And they didn't do that. And that's a shame. So what happens? God finds another opportunity to again kick that hornet's nest. But this time in Judea. And so, you know, now what's going on? Now we really see, you know, an opportunity for the Philistines to continue to bring up this retaliation. But as we see this retaliation back and forth, we actually should see it as God working to both drive Samson and to drive the Israelites to finally take up their responsibility to be people of God and to bring the battle to the enemy. To throw off this bondage. Because the Philistines represent sin. They represent the sinful, comfortable life of servitude. And so the Israelites were supposed to be throwing off this easy, comfortable life of servitude. This life serving sin. This life serving foreign masters. This life not serving the Lord, but serving the things of this world. They were supposed to throw that off to attack, to follow Samson. But none of them were doing it. And so God has to bring these opportunities. God has to stir up this nest. And you know, I look at America right now and I think that's what God's doing. We haven't stepped up as Christians. How many of us are are taking the fight to the enemy? How many of us are actively evangelizing and discipling? How many of us are are seeking to lay down our lives for the sake of the non-Christians out there, for the sake of the gospel coming into this world? Are we living like the Judeans? Are we abandoning our Christian leaders? Are we abandoning our leaders? Are we praying? Are we praying hard? Are we praying that God would grant wisdom to the Republicans and the Democrats? That God would grant wisdom and work even in the party that we're not attributed to? That God would grant wisdom to them, that they would rule and that they would legislate rightly. Do we pray for Black Lives Matter that they would do this stuff that they're doing actually and bring about godliness instead of bringing about Marxism? Because Marxism is not godliness. Marxism is the same stuff that Samson's into. Well, I get into that. Are we praying for these people? Are we praying that God would work? Are we seeking opportunities to assist? Are we seeking opportunities to disciple? Are we seeking opportunities to evangelize? Are we living out these truths ourselves? Are we living in humble obedience to God? Or are we playing the same game that the world is playing? Living for the things of this world. Living for that short-term gain instead of for the long-term. Instead of for the kingdom. What are we living for? What are we doing? What's our purpose? Do we only attack when we're finally attacked? Or do we bring the offensive? Best defense is a good offense. We're bringing it to the non-Christians. We're bringing the gospel to the non-Christians. And we're encouraging the Christians to step up and walk deeper. 
take the truths of God and to apply them into all aspects of their lives. Because that's what discipleship is. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Make it, make it part of you. Live it out. This is what the world needs. Because even though Samson started this battle alone, even though Samson was abandoned by his countrymen, even though Samson failed to cast vision, God was still there. God did not abandon Samson. And so God has not abandoned his church, although Samson was afraid that he was in this alone. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and that place was called Ramath Lehi. Verse 18, he was very thirsty. And he called upon the Lord, which, I, you know, that's understandable. And he called upon the Lord, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So what's Samson saying? God, have you abandoned me? I've been, I've been working for you. I have been fighting for you. Have you abandoned me? Am I alone in this? What's going on? I have need. Now this is important. When the battle comes, that's when we really realize, we really understand how much we need the Lord. As we're giving out, as we're putting out into this world, as we're exercising our faith, that's when we really see how much we need the Lord. And as Samson sees how much he needs the Lord, as he realizes his thirst, Think about that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Samson is now thirsty. Samson is realizing his need for God. Samson is realizing he can't do this on his own. And we only get there when we're actively engaging in the battle. When we're actively engaging in evangelism and discipleship. When we're actively bringing the gospel, the truth of the scriptures into this world. When we're doing that, we see how much we need the righteousness of God. We see how much we need the provision of God. And Samson, when he realizes his need, he is terrified that God has abandoned him. Because he sees how weak he really is, how much he needs God. He sees that gap between what he's got and what he needs. That's a big gap. Samson's ready to die. So Samson calls out to the Lord, praise God. Praise God that Samson calls out to the Lord. And he cries out and he reveals his need to God. Reveals the need that's been, that his eyes have been opened to as he has fought the battle. As he's won this battle. He realizes his need. He cries out to the Lord and the Lord provides. And the Lord provides in a miraculous way, which is awesome to see. So what does God do? And God split Open the hollow place that is at Lehi. Think about that. God provides in a miraculous way. God could have provided in any way. He could have had some random girl come up to Samson with a water jug. God could have done that. And this is the power of God. God has the ability to provide in each and every way, no matter what we think. We might pray for one thing and God will provide in another. So we ask and we pray. And God provides because it's God who's able to fill that gap between where we're at and what we need. Because that's a big gap. It's a big gap and it's bigger than we know. 
wasn't for the active hand of God providing, we would have died long ago. We've got a big gap there. And it's God who's able to fill that gap between what we have and what we need. And me having a Bible in that hand is not unintentional. That's what we need. And God fills that gap by the grace of God and by the power of God. And as God fills that gap, God fills that gap in whatever way God wants to fill that gap. He can fill that gap in any way that he desires. We might see the means, we might not see the means. It might be immediate, it might be some, through some means, it might just be miraculously handed down to us. I don't know how God's going to do it. But until we're engaged in that battle, we're not going to see our need. We're not going to see that. We're not going to see our need. We're not going to see where we're really at. We're not going to see that gap. That's why we're not going to call. You want your prayer life to be strengthened? I'll tell you how to do it. Start evangelizing. Start discipling. You want your prayer life strengthened? Start doing the work of God and you'll see how much you need God. Bring the gospel into this world and you'll see how much you need God. Try to live a righteous and a holy life and you'll see how much you need God. And as God does this, he does it in such a way that it'll be a witness forever. God split open the hollow place that is Elihi and water came out from it. And Samson drank, he drank, his spirit returned and he revived. Therefore, the name of it was called en It is Elihi to this day. To this day, that spring continued to testify to the power of God to fill the gap fill in that hollow place to well up there. God can fill it. And he'll do it in such a way that it can continue to bear witness down the ages. But until we realize our need, until we realize that hollow place, that gap between what we have and what we need, until we realize that, we'll never call upon the Lord. Because we'll always think we're good enough. I'm good enough. I can make it. I can make it. I can make it. But once we're in that battle, we realize we can't make it. I can't fill that hollow place. I can't fill this gap. So then I cry out to God and say, God, help me. Because God has not abandoned us. Even as this whole world abandons us, God has not abandoned us. And God will provide and he'll provide in such a way that it'll continue to be a witness into this world. So what's our calling now? Our calling is to trust that what God has is really what this world needs. It isn't about politics. God, we don't need more politicians. It isn't about, you know, bureaucracies. It's not about government. It's not even really about congregations and churches. We don't need more churches. We need Christians to take the gospel seriously. We don't need more pastors, prophets, apostles, evangelists. We don't need more of them. We need God's people to take the gospel seriously. And as they take the gospel seriously, as they take the truth of scripture seriously, as they they consume that and make it their own, live it out, bring that gospel into this world, God will raise up pastors, God will raise up evangelists, God will raise up prophets, apostles, no problem. What's it going to take? It's going to take Christians taking it seriously. And bringing the gospel into this world through evangelism and discipleship. And then we'll see our need for God. And then our prayer life will be deepened. Then our devotional life will be enriched. Enriched? 
I don't even know if that's a word. We become more rich. All of these things of God will become more valuable as we start to use them. So I want to close with a story to all of you who, who are concerned with the political climate right now. Uh, back when the Great Awakening came to America, you know what happened on the East Coast? Places where revival hit. All the bars shut down. Now there had been a movement at that time, a prohibitionary movement at that time. And it didn't get any traction. They couldn't fix it using politics. They couldn't get what they wanted using politics. And I don't care which side of the bench you're on. I don't care if you're a conservative or a liberal. They couldn't get what they wanted using politics. But when God swept through, barkeepers went out of business. They shut down their own bars voluntarily. Drunkards quit drinking. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't need alcohol. They didn't need to get drunk anymore. They didn't need to hide from the things of this world. You want to see this world changed? Pray for revival. Evangelize. Disciple. Because it's by the work of the Holy Spirit that great works happen. God might use politicians. It's like he used Samson. As we see the hornet's nest being stirred up around us, what do we do? Cry out to God. We bring the gospel because those are the weapons. That is the weapons of our warfare. We bring this battle to the enemy. We steal from him his pride, the non-believers. Bring them into the kingdom of God. And God work. Want to see racism ended? You want to see chaos organized? It comes through the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Samson. We thank you for him fighting the battles, even when the people wouldn't. Lord, we thank you for his failures so that we might learn from them too. Help us to learn. Help us to see. It would glorify your name, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.